Hello and welcome to Parking Thought, the channel where we share our thoughts when we park, sometimes in a chair, oftentimes in a car. You're going to want to like and subscribe wherever you happen to find us. Our mission is to help make sure that we don't overlook the good in the world. On this show, we explore the contributions of systems and people we often take for granted. Curiosity, meet gratitude. My name is Jacob and I'm glad you're here today. And in today's episode, we're going to give it a clickbaity type of title. I haven't decided what the title is yet. We're going to give it a clickbaity type of title to see if this works, right? Because I've got a story to tell and I think it it tells us a little bit about our society and how um, people operate, right? So the story we have to tell is, I'm going to take you back in time. I'm going to take you back to, oh, I think it was roughly 1993. It was in seventh grade. Um, eighth grade, actually. Yeah, it was eighth grade, and I was gra- I was the spring of eighth grade. And I decided to go for a bike ride with a friend of mine, and we were in Connecticut. And those of you that have been to Connecticut uh, might have seen a photo of uh, Talcott Mountain. Not really a mountain. Connecticut doesn't have mountains. It's you know the glaciers, um, and the last ice age took care of that. So, but it's a very large hill. And it gives you a wonderful view of um, the fall foliage if you get a chance to go there. Now, uh, it also has a trail that I decided to go mountain biking on and uh, didn't know what I was doing, right? So not knowing what you're doing gives you lots of learning opportunities. And so I had a learning opportunity here where uh, I was riding my bike down the hill and uh, my quick release was not tightened up enough on my front wheel and it loosened up. Um, It came my front wheel came off the fork right the the two-pronged fork of on the front of the bike dug into the ground um the handlebar went up underneath my rib cage rupturing my spleen of course i didn't even know i had a spleen at the time i i just knew it hurt um and then my head which thankfully i was wearing a helmet um ended up uh stopping my my forward momentum on a route yeah, so um, pretty traumatic thing. I didn't know what was wrong with me. And again, I didn't know I had a spleen. I didn't know I'd ruptured it. And I didn't know I had a neck injury either. And I didn't know I'd hurt my collarbone or chipped the bone there. So what was interesting about this is I'm up on top of the hill. And it's 1993. And there are no cell phones. So I had to tell a friend of mine to finish riding down the hill. Um, go find somebody who lived nearby and make a phone call. And I'm up there laying down. And I hear all the sirens from our lovely, wonderful volunteer fire department in Simsbury, Connecticut, uh, turning on and heading up uh, the mountain to come get me. My very first helicopter ride was them getting me off of that hill, and then I was in the hospital. Now, the the point I want to make, or the part of the story that I want you guys to pay attention to, because there's lots of parts of the story, and I'll probably tell different parts of it later on, but one of the parts of the story I want to share with you guys today is how to be mean to nurses. Yes, this is an instructional video on how to be mean to nurses. I'm not sure if we're still able to do it this particular way anymore, but I will share with you how I was mean to the nurses. Now, let's let's put this in perspective. At 14 years old, I was um, just barely of the age where they kept me in pediatrics. And they put me in the ICU, And this is pre-television being everywhere or small screens being all over our lives. Um, My my kids feel like that was the dark ages when I describe it to them. It wasn't really the dark ages, but that's fine. Um, And they've got me in the ICU and I'm in and out of sleep. They've got me drugged up. I'm... I'm grateful to be, I was grateful to be alive, kind of, but I didn't really appreciate anything at that point. I was so loopy and out of it. And, you know, previous to this, I'd done swimming and a bunch of other things. um, And so I was pretty healthy and pretty good at like breath control. 
and the only screen they had for me specifically and i'm in this room let me help paint the scene a little better for you guys i'm in this room with four or five other you know small infants um, that are fighting for their lives right and that's where they've got me um, i'm not wearing any of my normal clothes those are gone i'm uncomfortable it's it's cold or hot it's all over the place and and so you end up and you're hurt right so you wake up and then you go back to sleep and you wake up and you go back to sleep and that's kind of what was going on it was terribly boring to be awake there was nothing to do terribly hard to fall back asleep and everything was just weird um and again i was significantly drugged up so that's my excuse now <clears throat> what i ended up doing to keep myself um entertained was I noticed the machine was tracking my heart rate and my breathing. And, um, you know, it would go through like a complete cycle in what, three, four, or, or I can't remember how many seconds, but it was probably, let's say 10, 15 seconds. It would go through a complete cycle. Maybe it was longer than that. But I remember that at one point I was tired of being awake and so I held my breath and I could see that, oh, this is the part of the graph that's tracking my breathing. And then the other part was my heart rate. and. Then I realized, huh, I wonder if I could hold my breath for half a cycle. And so I did that. And I wondered if I could hold my breath for a full cycle. And maybe it was a minute. Maybe it was, I don't know how long it was, but I, I wondered if I could hold my breath for a whole cycle, right? And this was just the only interactive game that we had, right, at the time. And so, I mean, I don't think it was designed to be a game. So I hold my breath and watch it go through a cycle. And oh my goodness, like that was pretty cool, right? Um, because what happened is the alarm started going off. I was like, oh crap, this is not good. So <clears throat> I started breathing again. And by the time the nurses left their station and came back down in and they started looking at the monitors because they it wasn't like centrally controlled. There wasn't a network. I mean, computer networks didn't come in until a few years later. Um, they had to look at each machine to figure out which person had stopped breathing so they could go ahead and assess it. And the nurses were pretty quick, but by the time they got in, I'd had at least a breathing cycle. And then, you know, the, the flat line was part of the natural non-breathing cycle on my machine. So they didn't know it was me. And being loopy and drugged up and whatnot, I thought this was a game. So every time I would wake up, I would hold my breath, right? Watch it flatline, watch the nurses come in, uh, or hold my breath, watch it flatline, have the alarm go off, start breathing again, watch the nurses come in and just scratch their head and wonder what was going on. And then they'd go back to their desk, right? And I think I did that two or three times. And I, I'm sharing this for a couple of reasons, right? We want to explore the good things in the world. This is obviously not one of those great stories where Jacob's always right, right? This is one of those times where, you know, impetuous youth um, really made somebody else have a hard day. And there's lessons to learn in that. First off, if you are one of the nurses that were taking care of me in that hospital back in 1993, thank you. Sincerely, sincerely, thank you. And it may have been 92, come to think of it. Regardless, thank you very much. I am sorry that I was an impetuous young man and didn't appreciate or understand the care that you were providing for me. I'm truly sorry for that. I'm also really hopeful that you'll forgive me because otherwise this story that I've been sharing is really like makes me just look like a jerk and I, I'm hoping that we can all laugh at it at this point because it was um, it was an interesting adventure it taught me I've reflected back on that you know once I'm off drugs and and reflecting back on it and I love telling that story because I was like ha 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 I was clever but at the same time it's like oh my goodness what did I do to those 
those ladies who are tired and just trying to keep working. And, you know, there were other children legitimately fighting for their lives in that space. And I was distracting from the care of those. Now, I wasn't overly distracting from them. I think everybody made it out of there fine. Um, but it was a very interesting set of circumstances. Now, I bring that up because we, we should always remember to be patient with others, right? I had a learning experience at somebody else's expense. You know, it wasn't a learning experience for me because there's a part of me that's still like, ha ha ha, that was fun. But the reality is, is it's given me a reference point to look back on and say, hey, some of the things I think are fun might end up causing someone else harm, right? It's caused me to be more empathetic and more mindful of others. And this is a good lesson to have when we're doing things to take the moment to consider what it's like on the other end. So. Now, thankfully, I don't think we all walk around drugged up and having ruptured spleens and being in the hospital and doing this sort of stuff. So I think society's pretty good, um, but it gives us an opportunity to try to find ways to be um, better and kinder to others, is to think about what it looks like from their perspective. And I did not have that mindset when I was laying there in a hospital bed wearing a gown and cold blankets and all those other things. Um, but I... I've learned from that to stop and think about how what I think might be fun might not necessarily be fun for everybody involved. Um, and you can never have a perfect activity, but you can do a little better than I did that day for sure. Um, and aren't the nurses that we have in our society great? I mean, don't they just know so much? They know as much as doctors did like a hundred years ago. I mean, those the people in the medical profession that I've run into, just tremendous. Um, and I'm really grateful that they're there. And so if you guys happen to run into a doctor today or somebody that provides healthcare, or even your mom, I mean, even if it's nothing more than, hey, giving you that can of ginger ale while you're sick and putting a couple ice cubes in it, uh, you know, or a glass of ginger ale, you know, like, like tell that person thank you. Because um, when you are hurt and you have somebody else caring for you so you're not alone, that feels pretty good. And I think we ought to treat those people with a great deal of respect. And I wish I had. I didn't realize what situation I was in. I didn't realize how threatened my life was. And I didn't realize how grateful I should have been for those taking care of me. Um, but I do now. Some lessons we learn right away. Some lessons we learn 30 years later. Um, I just hope I'm getting better at learning my lessons faster. And I hope you are too. So if you want to keep on learning lessons and pull out insights from regular day activities by listening to this podcast and this show, you can have it delivered directly to your device by subscribing to the podcast links over at parkingthought.com. We're also on Spotify, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. We've even been publishing on Instagram at parking underscore thought. And remember, in a world where you can choose to be anything, why not choose to be grateful.